Hey there, we're the West Slot Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspo. I do want to apologize uh, to all of our listeners last week for my voice. Um, barely made it through. Uh, obviously, it's not not 100% today, but you know what? Sitting outside for four or five hours on a cold Saturday probably didn't help. Um, sure didn't help the Northwestern team either, uh, as Minnesota came and just pretty much did whatever they wanted against the Cats this weekend. Uh, before we dive into that, I do want to give a quick shout-out. Uh, happy birthday, belated happy birthday uh, to Garrett Pollock, one of our big fans. Um, you know, obviously, we're, we're a little bit late uh, getting his happy birthday to him, but he just turned 21, so he probably isn't aware of Garrett's the, been the time. Va- yeah. he, he's, he's doing Garrett's just fine. Garrett's been barely conscious for the past three or four days. He doesn't, you know, you're, see, you're just around the time, Garrett, you're coming out of your 21st B-Day stupor. We are, we're here for you. But is, the, that, is that because of the birthday number or because of the football product? Little column A, little column B. Yeah, probably, yeah. probably some of both. Just, just to, to put a bow on this, we, we, we um, Garrett is a, is a big member of the wild side and, uh, has been a, a you know, through thick and thin, uh, thick being last year, thin being this year has been uh, a diehard wildcat supporter and, and, uh, listens to our pod. So, uh, happy birthday, Garrett. Hope, hope it was a good one. Um, and that you weren't too down from the gopher game. Uh, so yeah, let, let's talk about that game. Um, you know, the, probably the, the biggest takeaway, obviously Minnesota is, they're playing really good football and, you know, we're all you know, eating a little bit of crow over it, and that's that's fine. Um, you know, they definitely Tanner Morgan looked really good. I mean, it, our 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 game plan for beating stopping their offense started with him not playing, and the minute he played, it looked like it was going to be trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it it, it is what it is. I think. Um, we looked better against uh, him than probably. I mean, in the end, he was fifteen of twenty-three for two hundred and eleven yards, uh, four TDs. Certainly a nice day, but you know, not not the incredible accuracy that he showed against you know a Penn State or a Nebraska. Um, yeah, he, I mean, he wasn't otherworldly, but you know, he got the job done. Yeah, I, and I mean, the, the, we we struggled to, to cover um, Tyler Johnson. I think, you know, we probably concentrated a little bit more on, on Bateman maybe um, in terms of keeping things in front of us. Johnson chewed us up for quite a lot of yards, and then Bateman just went to went to work in the red zone. They looked, they looked really good. They looked really good. Our, our corners continue to be injured. Um, that was a struggle. You know, I think, I think we probably want to talk about the quarterback play and, um, and a certain somebody on the defensive side for Northwestern more than anything. But, yeah, Minnesota came into this. We, we, we thought that maybe they might take this game – you know, a little lightly knowing that next week is what really matters for them. But, uh, but they didn't and, and they showed out and kind of put us in our place with, you know, the commentary certainly that we've been uh, dishing this year on the Gophers. I want, you know, it's worth mentioning too, that, um, you know, a lot of you're looking and, and you're like, look, the Gophers pretty much did what they wanted most of the day. I mean, yeah, Morgan's yards were a little bit low, but still, I mean, four touchdowns to the one pick, right? I mean, he was going off and I think, and they had a lot of success on the ground, and it really is important not to evaluate all, all this in a vacuum and be like, look, okay, we know the secondary's banged up, but then you could be like, all right, the uh, okay, the secondary's banged up, but the linebackers, you know, the front four, like there's there's still so much there, and it's like, yes, but this defense has been carrying so much water all season, and it's just like... I mean, I, I, you can see the strain, you know, and the breaking. And again, not to take away from Minnesota, like Scott said, that's a team with a lot of firepower. But I, I mean, the fact that Ibrahim and Smith both had monster days on the ground, again, I like in another universe where this team's clicking a lot more and a lot more things have gone right this season, I do believe our front seven has a better game against them on the ground but again it's like the wheels have just absolutely fallen off this season and the defense could only do it for so long so again 
yeah, not to take too much pressure away, but but yeah, I mean the ghosts were able to do what they wanted on on the on the ground and in the air ultimately, and and that was kind of to be expected. So the big surprise uh, going you know last week was as we heard that Aiden Smith was hurt, um, had some sort of hand injury and wasn't going to be playing, and now all of a sudden we're like, well, who's going to start? You know, is it is it Marty or or what? Because the the two deep was Smith and Andrew Marty. Um, we find out Hunter Johnson is going to be starting. Okay, great. You know, we're all, you know, you've, you've heard us talk about, you know, some of the things that might be going through Hunter's head as we've gone through this season. Um, you know, obviously he has not had the, you know, season that he would have liked to have had. Um, but he, he but, gets but to start. He, but he also hadn't played since, I mean, when was the last time he saw the field? Uh, it, it, beginning of Indiana. Yeah, uh, I am. And I mean, and going into that morning, we're wondering, like, is he still, you know, what's his status within the program, you know, because he'd just been flat removed from the depth chart and, um, right. And it's because, I mean, you're right. He's like, we haven't, we hadn't seen him play in forever. Um, and it's, it just stunk because out there, I mean, you, I mean, we were talking after the game, like, oh my gosh, it feels like Hunter has gotten lit up so many times this season, obviously has with the injuries and everything, but but it even feels like relative to the other guys, he's just gotten clocked. But between that and, and again, we've this aforementioned bust that has backed over him and the other quarterbacks that we've talked about multiple times, you could just see in the time that he was out there, uh, you know, and it, it, honestly, it reminded me of some of the pl- the place that Trevor Simeon was left, you know, by the time he was a senior. And just the, the, he'd been, you know, just set up and put in such a bad position for so long that you could just see poor Hunter, like he's holding the ball, he's afraid to throw it out there. I mean, we talked about this at, you know, at length a long time ago, the fact that you can mess a quarterback up and he is a quarterback, he's just in a bad place right now. And, you know, just unwilling to throw it, not wanting to get it out. And it led to him taking a couple monster hits. And, you know, it's it's awful because... Four sacks for minus 40 yards. Yeah. And it's awful because, you know, some of those were definitely on him. For sure. He's got to get the ball out. But you could just see it out there. You're like, this kid has been beaten up mentally and physically in games. And let's be honest, in practice. Uh, this whole season and he, and he's a mess and, you know, and of course everything he's had to deal with, with his family situation also. And it was rough. It was rough to see kind of what, you know, that, that as the final, you know, end to, to what this season has been for him. It was just sad to see. So he got knocked out of the Wisconsin game with an injury. He got knocked out of the Indiana game with an injury. He now got knocked out of the Minnesota game with an injury. I just, I'm, I'm I'm still so surprised that he played and I and I guess like going back and looking at it the only thing that's shocking to me really is that against Indiana he gets knocked out and then Aiden looked so bad um and we 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 got one pass from Andrew Marty and then you get you get into Purdue where Aiden actually was looking a little bit better um the wheels come off in the second half. I just, I'm trying to paint the picture, the picture of, of the last three or four weeks, because what I was struggling with during the Minnesota game is watching Andrew Marty out there thinking like, why the hell hasn't this guy seen the field before? And when I look back at the schedule, I, it actually makes a little bit more sense to me. Yeah, no. And, and I think it's not so much about Smith or even about Hunter for that matter. And, you know, I don't think, you know, it's not a question of, you know, should Marty have leapfrogged over these guys? It's just, when we look, we see what we see out there, what we saw in this game. I mean, it's hard to argue that this wasn't the best quarterback performance we've seen from a Northwestern quarterback this year. And yeah, it's small sample size, but it's not just the numbers. It's, you know, it's the way he looked, the confidence in the pocket, the confidence moving outside of the pocket. Um, just he was very strong from the moment he got on the field in this game against a quality Gophers defense. And you know, you can't fault Flynn Nagel for, you know, who tweeted during the game, you know, all this talk from the coaches about our something to the effect of all this talk from the coaches about quarterbacks not being ready. Marty sure looked ready out there. And I think Nagel has since deleted that tweet, but you get the sentiment, certainly. Um, and I think it's it's folded into, you know, Fitz makes comments in the post game about Marty had a really bad week of practice. And I think, you know, Riley Lee seconded that. And I think Marty, you know, mentioned it also. But 
it's it's just tough when you have the coaches talking week to week. Fitz is getting up there saying, you know, look, the quarterback situation, we've got to do a better job of coaching these guys up. And then it's it's tough to hear any talk about practice, right, with when you juxtapose that with the same kind of comments that are coming out week to week and and to to fold that in with just the, the flailing we've seen going on from this position all season long um it's it's just tough it's tough to evaluate any of this stuff um and to evaluate you know anyone's performance in any given week without looking and saying you know how difficult has it been for this entire quarterback room to just make this work all season? And then, you know, so it's, it's tough and, and you get why people are tweeting, why people are saying things like that, given the way that, that this has all played out all season. So I, I hear what you're saying and I'll like, I don't necessarily disagree with any of that. I don't, I, I've, I've really disliked Fitz's comments, especially because I think a lot of it stems from, the way the coaches have failed to put these guys in position to succeed at the same time, right? Like they don't have much to go on other than practice. And it's, and it's one thing for a guy to throw a couple picks in practice. I mean, this is what we, this is what we heard in, in preseason vis-a-vis Johnson and TJ green, right? Was that Johnson clearly had the better arm, clearly had more talent, but was making poor decision, poorer decisions in practice. I, I don't, I don't get the sense that that's been been Andrew Marty's problem. Um, I think it's I think if you if you take that comment about you know his um, about players who didn't think they were going to be playing, preparing right or whatnot, and then he he made a comment in the press because I I joked we learned more in ninety seconds listening to Andrew Marty than we that we have all season long because he said he said three things one he agreed with Fitz that he had a bad week of practice. Two, he said that I believe it was after the Ohio State game. Like he got in there for a, for a play in the Ohio State game, and 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 it's it 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 changed his. He said that really lit a fire under me, or something like that. I mean, I think I'm not going to accuse this accuse this kid of anything other than you know maybe probably looking at the at the at the folks in front of him on the death chart thing. Well, you know, I'm I'm here for for the experience, et cetera. I'm not really going to get to see the field much. I'm not going to accuse him of anything beyond that. But in his own words, it sounds like. He's brought a different a different level and a different focus to practice the last few weeks. And if, and to be fair, if you're a coach, like you don't have much else to go on. And you know, Marty was not a five star transfer QB from Clemson. So I like when I look back when I look back at again at, at just the 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 way the games played out. It is a little bit more understanding to me now in retrospect why we didn't see him in Purdue, why we didn't see him against Indiana. Uh, certainly why we didn't see him much against UMass, right? Like this, this was the, this, there was a lot of back and forth from me as well uh, on, on Twitter, et cetera, on Saturday around like, why the hell haven't we seen this kid play before? And frankly, I'm okay with it. I think what's more important. Oh yeah, absolutely. My issue isn't that Marty hasn't played up until now. My issue is just, again, and it's it's broken record stuff, but just the, the issues in the quarterback room as a whole and what these guys are given to work with. Yeah. So, and well, the, the other thing that's, I mean, for four years it was Clayton Thorson, and there were certain things we didn't like about his game, but you couldn't argue a whole lot with the way the quarterback was being coached the last three years, certainly, right? So, like, on one hand, the quarterback room is clearly a mess this year. At the same time, the far bigger mess is the general scheme, lack of new ideas. Um, lack of 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 a of a system of of whatever in the offense that I think that's much more about the quarterback play than whatever's happening in the quarterback room I think there's probably to your point some disillusionment and and why wouldn't there be in a in a two and ten two and two and nine season right now I guess so be that as it may like we're we're gonna see Andrew Marty against Illinois and see what he can do and and he seems to be able to you know he's he's put some life into this team for sure and you know, all all this is something that we can that we can and will go over um in the off season, which you know begins after this week in against Illinois. Um, you know, so I, I don't want to you know really try to dig too deep because you know after the season's over, we may or may not hear more about what's what sort of changes are. I mean, they call it uh, Black Monday for a reason. Um, you know, whether or not we see any. Uh, coaching changes immediately following the season, or if it's a little bit after. I mean, we've got early signing day coming up. 
Um, you know, we've got some recruiting that needs to happen, obviously, uh, with this, uh, Aiden Atkinson situation out of, uh, Colorado. Um, you know, with, you know, still a lot more coming out of that, but I think suffice to say, He's not coming to Northwestern. Right. And we're, again, we're trying to go relatively quick this week. Obviously, we don't want to jump right over this. It's just, it's such a massive deal. It's a bomb that was dropped on all of us. We're going to go very deep on all this, you know, postseason right now. But it's like, as of right now, we still have to let that settle. And we still, you know, we have to kind of think about, think about the the end of this season and, and the stuff that's going to happen immediately after. Uh, so before we go on to Illinois, uh, we do need to throw out some pirate booty. Um, Joe Gaziano. All uh, the pirate booty. All yep. the pirate booty. Starts his career, uh, at Northwestern with a sack for a safety. Breaks the record for most sacks in a Northwestern career with a safety. Um, Joe's father stopped by our tailgate, uh, before John or I had gotten there. Uh, spoke with some of the other guys who were there. Um, I'm sa- I'm sorry I'm sorry we missed him uh cuz that would have been really great to talk to uh to uh, the honorable judge Gaziano um but yeah I mean talk about a guy who's just had an unbelievable career at Northwestern this is not the way we wanted to send Gaz out uh but you know he's he's going to be playing on Sundays uh in, when, in some fashion when he balled out on Saturday right Absolutely. so six tackles third on the team four solos you know had a sack and a half an additional tackle for a loss beyond that and two passes defense like he was everywhere um and he, was like he, right there could have had an interception too on a on a, um, a hankowitz special yep yeah there he in the in the post game he he talked about how he's got three safeties in his career he always wanted a touchdown but he'll, he he guess he guesses he'll just have to settle for like six points in total and uh I responded to him. I said, "No, no, man, it's all there for you next week. Go, 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 get those Illini. Get your, get yourself in the end zone, Gastown." Um, but yeah, maybe you can pull a, maybe you can pull a Bo Sizek, but not fumble on the one. <laughs> Shots oh, fired. No shade. No shade. No shade to Bo. Whatever. Whatsoever. Uh, no shade. Whatever we need to. Whatever we need to do to get Gastown in the end zone next week. Let's let's do it. But but again, like. A guy who's just been a consummate wildcat and an incredible player his whole career. A guy that, um, you know, put up put up big numbers and big plays, and is in the record books now. And, and you know, earlier in the year, there was the moment where he passed Ifadi Adenabo for um, was that was that I forget where on the list that was or, or what number that was, but drew the sword in homage to Ifadi um, when he passed him on the list, and then uh, to. To, to finish this out and, and pass K- Casey Daly for, for number one all time at Northwestern and Sacks. That's, that's really special. Uh, his name, you're going to see Gaz's name, I think on the, um, uh, in the stadium, uh, at some point that, that three, four front for the green Bay Packers is just missing one more. Oh man. <laughs> one, more, one more three, four end to, to I, finish the trifecta. I hate the Packers, but wouldn't that be awesome? That'd be amazing. <laughs> or put, put him in, uh, Keep him in purple. Put him on the other side of a fatty. Oh, t- uh, sign me up! Sign me up! I've already, I've already got a Corey Wooten jersey. Um, actually, and a fatty's playing DT for for the Vikings. He's Is not, he really? he's not at end right now. He's generally playing DT. Right? Yeah, just so, creating havoc. He's awesome. But to your point, I mean, like I look at Gaziano and I see the same kind of the same kind of build, the same kind of success as Dean Lowry, who's had you know a great NFL career, and I think. Gaz can, can just got paid too. There. Yeah, exactly. So I think there's definitely that kind of future for for Gaz and the pros. But yeah, it's it's already yeah that he. I'm so glad that he was able to do it at home. That he's able to do it for safety. I mean, Sam and I were at this game, and it. You know, we were down 21 nothing, and it looked like we were going to lose 60 to nothing. And then there was this little moment where there was some real positive feels. Marty got going, but you know the the starting point the, the, the hit out of bounds, right? Yeah. Right, he gets he gets trucked by Antoine Winfield, and um, Riley Lee said it in the post game. He said, you know, watch it, watching that and seeing him pop back up and jaw a little bit with Winfield, kind of got got a fire lit in in some of the team, and uh, you know, some obviously too little, too late, but but um, it was it was great to see the Cats in a game. I mean, yes, they ended up losing by sixteen, but to be in a game down one score at one point against you know 
a top 10 team um, stings stings the nostrils to say that out loud but um, they didn't give up in this in this game and we're, we've we've probably generally been underselling the performance of the cats uh, in this game because none of us really believe Minnesota's a top 10 team we think a lot of that is is fashioned from um, from their schedule and we'll probably see that play out in the next two weeks but who knows yeah I mean I yeah I mean I again there were other problems, you know, other issues we had with play calling, especially in the fourth quarter of this game that I don't want to go too deep into. But yeah, I think your bottom line is this team found some offensive life. And next week we are going to be playing a team that is definitely worse than the Gophers on defense. And there's a chance that we might be able to score some points and be right in it. So let's talk about Illinois. I mean, this is a team that, you know, they're, they are not as good as their record indicates. I mean, they have been the beneficiaries of so much luck and that that's played out by the turnover ratio, right? I mean, yep. you, you think of a, a, the turnovers being kind of 50, 50 balls, um, you know, interceptions, fumbles can bounce either way. And Illinois has been Fumble, on the fumbles in particularly have been essentially statistically proven to be just a luck statistic. And, you know, this season, it, they've all been going in, you know, to Illinois. So They're number one in the country in turnover margin. Number one in the country is, is Illinois. And it is because they have more fumble recoveries than anyone else. It's And it's amazing, too, because it's aside from that, their defense is not particularly good. Um, it is not as bad as we thought it was going to be, which is like like leading the nation horrifically bad. Um, it's been better than that. Credit where credit is due. But you're absolutely right. I mean, it's like you you take that out, and I mean, this is a team that, again, Michigan State put up big points against them. And again, Michigan State did that against us, but the Michigan State that did it against Illinois was just like duct tape and dental floss. Like, Michigan State barely has anything left. I mean, this is a team that, yeah, got blown out, you know, gave up big points to Minnesota, gave up big points to Nebraska, gave up big points to Eastern Michigan, Big points to Michigan at a time when Michigan did not have things figured out offensively. Um, so, but yeah, there again, I don't want to throw a ton of shade. We were off on Illinois, and again, the the, tur- the turnovers absolutely play into it. On the other hand, this is a team not unlike what happened with Minnesota that got a taste of winning and is you know they've been in some tough games. I mean they. They went on a mini comeback against Michigan before Michigan pulled away in that game. The Wisconsin game was ludicrous, but still they pulled out the win. They pulled out a comeback win against Michigan State. So, I mean, they're certainly full of belief. They already know that they're going to a bowl. um, And they do have the ability, um, you know, against the right defense at the right time to score points. Um, And, you know, the question is, is our defense going to be up for one last rodeo here? So I am in a chest thump a little bit here because, like, while we were down on the on the Illini, certainly defensively, I, I mean, I thought there was a formula here for them to cause some problems on offense. I just I just thought it was a different formula. I thought it was Isaiah Williams becoming the next Juice Williams of Illinois, and it's it's actually been Brandon Peters. Um, he, his his numbers are not good. I fifty five percent completion, um, below seven yards per attempt. But 17 TDs, seven picks. Um, that's not terrible. 22 sacks. Uh, Gastown. Let's 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 add to those numbers, please, a little bit. And then um, Reggie Corbin, Dre Brown have been really solid as running backs. We knew they were going to be a good running team, and that's that's what I I just thought they were going to be like another like a wishbone. You know what was that was that 2005 or 2006 version of of Illinois when they had um, Rashad Mendenhall and Aurelius Ben and all that. Ah, uh, yeah, yep. Yeah. I just I, that's what I thought was gonna was gonna be the case here. They've also had a guy emerge, um, so that you know Ricky Smalling is a name that's been on their team for a while. Uh, there, there wasn't a lot else at, at wide receiver in, in terms of targets, but um, Josh Imator Torhibi. Um, I don't even know how to how the heck to say his name, but he's a transfer from USC that um, got granted eligibility to play, like kind of on the cusp of the season starting. Uh, is averaging nineteen point two yards per catch. He's got nine TDs. That that's that's a problem that we're gonna have to to watch out. I mean, you know, seeing what Tyler Johnson was able to do to us last week, that's a that's a, a bit of a concern. But they've, I mean, they've produced with like a pretty traditional pro style looking offense. And um, I mean, yeah, some, like 
their swings are certainly built on the backs of luck from those turnovers. And, you know, you look at their overall stat statistical profile and they're not, they're, they're, they're nothing to get too, too excited about, but they're kind of hitting the basic marks of a mediocre, you know, six and six team. And that's a lot better than we've been this year. It's funny, you know, I think a lot of people, I, I read some article that tried to paint it along the lines of like, oh, you know, Illinois is four and four, six and five in conference. But in addition to that, they have like three or four other one possession games that they lost. And I was like, well, I don't think I was like, (laughs) I don't think that's the way you want to be looking at this schedule. Like, I wouldn't be looking at the team leading the nation in turnover margin and then adding more games they could have won. That's not the way that I would go with that statistic. Um, well, you can't you can't look at close losses and ignore the close oh, wins. Oh, like, absolutely, no, abs- <laughs> absolutely. So, I mean, it's it's more more realistically, this is a team that should definitely have lost to Wisconsin, um, should definitely have lost to Michigan State, and could have lost to UConn. If we don't give them the UConn loss, I think you know you're talking about a team that's four and seven, two and six in conference, and that seems about right for this team. Um, but again, like their corners, I would say, are healthier than our corners right now. They had more success against Purdue uh, defensively on the road. But if you look at teams they've played that can run the ball, those teams have really kind of run right over the top of them. And if you look at our carry count against Minnesota, we're going to try to do the exact same thing. And I don't really blame us. Um, I think you're going to see probably Evan Hall. Nope. Um, nope. Unless he's not they, playing. Oh, he's he officially not, not playing. playing so yeah. they held him out. So, well, then that becomes an issue. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. I'm kind of concerned there, <laughs> it's, honestly. It's, you know, I guess we'll see Jesse Brown, who in uh, will we? was in and out. I don't know. I mean, Me. again, it's, 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 you know, if it ends up being Drake, it ends up being Drake. Um, but I'll tell you, we're going to try to run the ball a lot. You may see us running a fair amount with Andrew Marty, who again Ray Niro the third, baby. Yeah, uh, is, is no, a, um, who's the other guy that was practicing with the running backs? He hasn't had a carry yet, but uh, Coco Azimo, Coco, Coco, Coco Zemo, Yeah, I, I wonder if I wonder if we see him finally. Maybe. Um, I mean, you know, and again, it's like again, we're just trying to get across the finish line here. I do think we're going to be running the ball a lot though, because Illinois is is very vulnerable to running the ball. And again, some of that may be with Marty. I mean, again, I, I, a lot of it's going to be with Marty. He's yeah. a he's a bull, and especially in short yarded situations, but. You know, you you hope we're going to try to throw it a little bit more again. I you know not to go backwards, but the play calling we saw in the fourth quarter of the Minnesota game when the game wasn't yet decided, you know, was was really dispiriting. Um, and I hope that Marty gets a chance to throw a little bit more in this game and make a few more things happen. But um, I think you know, don't get any illusions that we're going to be throwing the ball a lot. I don't think the you know you've seen how low the pass attempts have been over the past two games. They're gonna stay low. We're gonna try yeah. to run, even yeah, yeah. no matter no matter if it is Ray Nairo out there. We're gonna keep the attempts low, the passing attempts low, and the running attempts high. And we're gonna try to move the ball. And again, do not forget that the offensive line has been doing well the past couple of weeks, and that includes the Minnesota game. Um, we again, it's not amazing. We averaged three and a half yards a carry if you take out Hunter's four sacks. Um, the and again, that's not amazing. But keep in mind. That includes multiple touchdown drives. So that's going to be the goal. It's going to be three yards in a cloud of dust and a lot of that, and the line is going to make that possible. And I think if you're looking for the scenario, you hope that Illinois' luck in the turnover you know, game finally starts to run out. We're able to control the clock, move the ball, put a couple uh, touchdowns, touchdown drives together, maybe get a turnover or two. And uh, and to be in it, I mean, Illinois is not Minnesota by remotely. So you know, this is we. You should feel like we've got a real shot to win this one, which we this haven't is, had in weeks. It's the first time since Nebraska. Like yep. like truly, this is the first time. Not I'm not counting UMass. This is the first time since Nebraska that I've that I've really thought this is a team that we can beat. Um, not not Purdue. I mean, I just I just thought. Like if you look and listen back to our podcast for that game, I I think we just thought that um, David Bell was going to carve us apart, and we didn't have an answer for it, and we thought Hunter was going to be out, and they, like 
I, I, I think our, our hopes there were that it was going to be a mucky game and we were, and, and we were, I mean, we were all shocked when, when Northwestern came out and took the lead early on. Right. I mean, we hadn't scored a touchdown in, in a month. Yeah. Until that game. Um, John, you mentioned multiple touches. I think we've only scored multiple touchdowns in three games this year. Um, did we get two against Wisconsin or was that one and some weird field goal? Uh, I think we got, we got two. And it's, Wisconsin, and it's, imp- yeah. all right. It's, so four, ga- four games. This year. And it's <laughs> important to, it's important too that to, to acknowledge that like Scuzz said, Illinois offense is not this amazing offense. I mean, like Scuzz said, they have been effective in a couple of different ways, but I mean, this team scored 37 against Michigan state. That was really their hallmark offensive performance. I mean, 38 Joe, points against... Joe Bocci-less Michigan State. Re- exactly. And it's like 38 points against Rutgers. Congratulations. You take that out, this team basically scores in the 20s. Um, and that's... And again, they scored 10 against Iowa, which again, is better than we did. But you can kind of gauge from that where they stack up against good defenses. So, yeah. I mean, this is a team that if our defense comes out, like talent-wise, we absolutely match up with this team. Um and we've got a real chance. And man, it would sure be something to take away from this horrible season that we've all had to endure if we could maintain our streak over Illinois. Well, and if you can divorce yourself from the idea, like from all the, the rigmarole with the offensive coordinator, um, the problems at QB, the questions about recruits, like all, all that sort of stuff. And just let's enjoy this one. Let's see if they can pull this out. Let's pull for these seniors, pull for these kids. And when the dust settles after this game, we can, we can, we can step back and, and go back to our regularly scheduled program. But, um, this is a rivalry. We, I, I, this is a rivalry game. Um, I, I wanted, don't think we, I don't think we've ever won five in a row. Yeah, exactly. Like, over the, Illinois, like almost like, ever. Right. Let for these fifth year seniors, let's have them be able to take away from all of this. They've had to go through that. They never lost to Illinois. That would be awesome. Um, and it, and it's a real goal and it's a really important one. I'll, I'll also note that, um, I forget who it was that did it. I, I retweeted it, um, as, as a number of others did too, but there was a, I think it was pick six. I, I forget who it was, maybe SB nation or something or other, but they, they went and categorized all the rivalries in college football and they did it based in a point system based on, um, so distance between the schools, uh, like the hate, like the, like the pissed offness factor, um, in terms of like, you know, how petty the teams have been over, over time. Um, the, the balance in the series. So like, you know, a, a rivalry between say, um, Michigan state and Michigan is, you know, that's, it's pretty lopsided. Right. Um, but they, they came out with Northwestern Illinois as, as the ninth best, um, rivalry in college football based on this on this algorithm and as a stats guy like that is right up my alley i'm totally on board um let's go and you know again get 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 that trophy for for all the rough road that we've been on with fitz this season we love the man and we love his dripping hate for the illini and he is the man you want in a week like this because he will never be disconnected from his just total disgust for Illinois and he will be pumping that into these guys all week this week. And, and of that, we can be happy. Uh, so real quick, want to just mention some of the other big games going around the big 10 and around the country. Um, biggest game in the big 10 this week. Uh, game day is going to be there. The Minnesota Wisconsin game, uh, Paul Bunyan's ax. Is that, is that the, I, be- I believe that's the trophy, yep. but, uh, that is going to determine who goes to Indy to get uh, curb stomped by Ohio State. Wait, wait, ga- game day is going to Minneapolis? Yeah, game day's in Minneapolis. Wow. First time ever. Yep. Oof. Pack your parkers, people. Yeah. Going to be, gonna be chilly. Um, AccuWeather Forecast is predicting uh, a rain, and, uh, rain and snow with a high of 38. So. <laughs> Do you call that snowy mix? Snowy yeah. mix, sure. <laughs> It's sleet. I mean, it's honestly, Ugly. It's, a, it's a fantastic game. Um, I I believe either of these teams. I think they're both playing great football right now. Um, if Tanner Morgan's healthy, I mean, these are two teams that are ready to throw haymakers. Like I take nothing away from either of these teams. Wisconsin was a mess early, got it together. They're back. Um, 
the winner of this game is probably, I mean, again, it's probably the second best team in the Big Ten and deserves to be going. And, you know, Minnesota still has, what, a 1-50 in 50 chance of the college football playoff? Nope. If they, no. If they, beat, if they beat Ohio State, <laughs> which they won't. But still, this is, I mean, it's a huge game. And, and I don't know, I can't, I don't know ever if you've had um, a rivalry game between these two schools that has carried this kind of significance. You'd have to go a long way back. So, yeah, I, I just, nothing much to say other than that this is just an awesome game. And I think everyone can't wait to see it. I got Michigan Ohio State at eleven, uh, the high noon game on Fox. Um, Sammy, when you when you said the biggest game and the game day is going there, and then you said Minnesota Wisconsin, I I really thought you were doing a, a bit. No, no bit. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I wow. Got, well, I mean, I don't I, I don't disagree, but I just I had no idea they were going. That's I'm I'm stunned. I'm stunned. This, wow. It's funny too because the Michigan team of the past three or four weeks is like. Ex- you know, like exactly like exactly that, like that's the team we were expecting. And as it is, like they certainly you could, you know, if they bring their A plus game, it's a team that certainly could play spoiler. It's their own darn fault for sucking so bad at the start of the season and not having the rack together at all that that they're that they're out of this thing now and that this game doesn't mean anything. I mean, if they had one less loss. This game would mean everything, but it doesn't. Um, but they still can certainly screw with Ohio State. I mean, well, I don't know. Can they? If, no, well, they, uh, they if can. O- not, I feel they like can, I feel like they can hurt Ohio State from a playoff perspective. But but I feel like if Ohio State wins the Big Ten, Ohio State's in regardless of what happens in this game, unless they got flattened by Michigan, which I don't probably, think is going to. I think I think you're right because you know they would have won the game that. Alabama won't have a chance. I mean, to they're play. they're number one in the CFP right now as we record this. So um, they're so yeah. I mean, but that's it's an interesting un- that uh, with in a game that they didn't necessarily run away from Penn State. Right, they leapfrog LSU. I think people. Oh, wanna, one of one of those fumble calls was garbage. Yeah, um, I, I think people want to see them tested, and I think this Michigan team is going to give them a game. I mean, again, it's just. There is no larger significance to it because Michigan was a mess at the start of the season. But um, I give them credit; like they've kind of righted the ship. And obviously, like they'll if they win this game, it's a huge narrative changer for for Michigan. But I mean, I, I still think Ohio State's going to win, but they're going to get a heck of a game. And Michigan can prove me wrong and show that they're the second best team in the conference, or I guess in theory. I mean, it's so weird. Like if Michigan were to win this game. We would all think Michigan was probably the best team in the Big Ten, and they will not even, you know, they certainly won't be representing the team, the Big Ten in the championship game, which, again, it just sums up what this conference has been all season. But based on all that, who knows? Maybe Ohio State just puts them to bed, and that's that. Um, Elsewhere around the Big Ten, Iowa, Nebraska, go Hawkeyes. Let's keep Nebraska out of a bowl yet another year. Yep, absolutely. Um, no, but I think, but even at five and seven, Nebraska can still get in with yeah, APR. <laughs> <laughs> no, they no, they can. Yeah, like like they, you they joke, can, but they but can. They can, but I think BC is first in line. Yeah, maybe BC is first in line, but there's there's like the pack the Pac twelve um, passed some rule that that excludes any of their schools from going at five and seven. Like there's there's not that many teams and Nebraska's on that list. They're maybe like six or seven deep right now, but some of those other teams still need to win a fifth game. So gotcha. with Mizzou's bowl ban being uh, held yep. up, yep. that that does that does open it up. And uh, there was um, article I think Stu Mandel uh, in the Athletic today was uh, writing about it, and everyone thinks that BC is going to be that five and seventeen that would jump in. They'd probably be the first one. So mm. nonetheless. Let's let's let Iowa just put this to bed and uh, keep Nebraska home for the winter. Uh, you've got Indiana Purdue. Um, you know Indiana's going bowling. Purdue is not again unless Purdue wins and is one of those five and seven teams. But again, I this to me is about Indiana. I mean, again, Purdue's had a really rough run, but Indiana's a darn good football team. Um, yeah, they you know Michigan ran away from them, but again, I just. Just like this Michigan team is like a tale of two seasons, really, with them. Indiana's a good football team. This team's got a really good chance to win nine games this year, and I think you know they're they're gonna they're gonna put it on Purdue and then head off to a half decent bowl. 
Uh, Rutgers at Penn State. We should we should Great. just stop mentioning whoever Rutgers is playing again. Again, conference game, same same side of the conference. Conference game. <laughs> And then uh, Michigan State looking to get bowl eligible uh, at home against Maryland. I, there's no reason to think that Maryland can win this game, but um, but who knows? Um, and then nationally, I mean, this is this is Thanksgiving week, because you know every year we think back to it's that uh, that that week in Colorado that we just glut, gluttonous, never left the couch, just football, 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 football. I oh, forget. Did, what we, we 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 what what are you talking? About? We went snowboarding one day, and, oh, then, and then we ate like that's probably one of the three best weeks that I've ever eaten in my life, and I think the other two were in New Orleans. So <laughs> why uh, I, I forget why why don't we do those things anymore? I'm trying to remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to spend this entire weekend basically like tending to my sick children. I don't even know if I'm going to get to watch any football, but. Um, but there is, there's, this is the best football weekend of the year. There is so much good stuff. It's partially, I love Thanksgiving to begin with, and this just adds to the, uh, to, to the, the quality of, of the weekend. Yeah. I mean, you got games on Friday, games on Saturday. Is there a Thanksgiving night game? I mean, I know there's the three NFL games. Usually the Egg Bowl is Thanksgiving night. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Oh yeah. Egg Bowl, Egg Bowl Thanksgiving night, uh, Mississippi State looking to get bowl eligible. Um, you know, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Texas, Texas Tech. Uh, uh, so let, we, got, we got to talk about it on Friday afternoon, Cincinnati at Memphis. Hell yeah, um, Cincinnati at Memphis. The, the first t- quarters one through four of Cincinnati, Memphis. It's going to be great. Quarters one through four of the eight quarters. These teams are most likely going to go head to head. It's fantastic. So it's, uh, they're playing in Memphis this weekend. They're both 10 and one. If Memphis wins, they'll both be seven and one in conference, and we'll be meeting again next week in the AAC championship game. If Cincinnati wins, what what happens? Does Memphis drop out, or they play together? Do they play again anyway? Um, I, that's a that's, great I question. I think I think Memphis is out. I'd have to look, but I know uh, Mem- Navy Navy would have to win. Right, okay. Navy would have to win. But if, Memphis- if Navy wins, then they would be that, that would be Memphis's second loss. Navy. Right. Is playing um, Houston. That's interesting. Right. Maybe he's playing Houston. Right. Could, could potentially play in the AAC championship game and then play Army. But for Memphis, the path is it's their Memphis's path to most likely a Power Five bowl is as the Group of Five champion is eight quarters of Cincinnati, which is just amazing. Like it's it's eight two weeks. Eight quarters of football against the Bearcats. Hey, that's that's Cincinnati's path too, right? Same same deal. Right, right. Yeah, no, exactly. They're, like, they're both a couple slots ahead. One slot ahead, it, it goes Memphis, Cincinnati, and then Boise State in the rankings right now. And then App State is about five five slots below them. So right. it's this that is the battle for for the group of five spots. And keep and keep in mind with Cincinnati, that team lost to your number one team in the CFP. The score doesn't really matter. And, and that's aside it. From, and that's it. Yeah, that's a good football team. They, I've seen them play in person twice. Their their defense is awesome. The problem is that Memphis's offense is awesome. This is going to be a really great game. If you're not doing anything Friday afternoon, like dig in. Yeah, that that that's you know, we don't really geek out about Group of Five games that often, but this is going to be a good one. Yep. All right. Um, Iron Bowl. Yeah, uh, Iron Bowl. Iron Bowl. Nick Saban says Auburn's the best team they've played all season, which again <laughs> is just is just amazing. Amazing, just like yeah. shots fired in in the you know shots fired at Coach O speeding away. Mm-hmm. He sees you in the rearview mirror, but but uh, yeah, I mean, but with that said, I mean Bama's with their backup quarterback could lose, but again, I still Bama's. Bama's path to the playoff is still pretty straightforward. I think if they win this game, Oregon losing did them a lot of favors, and their resume ultimately is going to be in pretty good shape. So I don't know. Utah, if Utah wins the Pac-12. Yeah, again, it's like ultimately, it, I mean, it'll it'll be close. Utah, again, Oregon losing hurt them a lot, but, but we shall see. I mean, again, of course, Oregon lost to Auburn. Bama beats Auburn, all of that stuff. So, but again, I cart before the horse. Auburn's going to have something to say about that, and they're not going to get a better shot at Bama than with two out. So we'll see. 
Um, yeah, I mean, Utah, they're, they've got Colorado, um, you know, Colorado team that with a win could get bowl eligible, but, uh, Big win for Colorado last week. Yeah, we need we need Visca in a we need Visca in a, in one more bowl game before he goes and gets oh, his money. My God, he's he's unbelievable. God, Saturday night is incredible. So you've got that game. You've got LSU A and M. You've got Kansas State Iowa State, both seven and four. Um, you've got Florida Florida State, which like Florida Florida the Florida State story right now, like. I have I have disliked Florida State real hard since like the year 2000 when I started when I really got into college football, but it is hard to not root for their interim head coach right now, um, Odell Huggins. I think it's Huggins, Higgins. I should know this before I start talking about it, but basically, like this guy has been with the program for eons. Um, he's been their defensive line coach for a long, long time. He took over as interim coach when Jimbo Fisher got fired, or when Jimbo Fisher left. Uh, won two games. He's now won two games in in um, replacing Willie Taggart as well. He's four and zero as an interim coach over two stints. They're giving him a look as a guy that that could that could take over the program. I mean, like this is much like Ogeron ultimately taking over LSU, um, although. Uh, Odell is far less uh, political based on the the article I read today on The Athletic. Um, but this is kind of a cool story, and I find myself um, – like Florida State is not a thing that I want to really root for, but um, I like this is a cool story, and I, 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 would, I would love to see them knock off the Gators. Um, you know, Bedlam, I, I, I mentioned for, for a second, I mean, that – Oklahoma is still in it. I mean, they – yeah, they – Beat Oklahoma State handily, and then go play Baylor again. Uh, if they can win both of those, that <clears throat> all of a sudden looks, you know that 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 could be right there as a possibility uh, for the for the. Blah, 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 where's my head go? Uh, that that could be a possibility for the playoff as well if Utah falters or if uh, yeah does o- could Oklahoma leapfrog Utah? Is sure. the question? No. No, I'm so out on Oklahoma. I'm just like, eh. I guess Baylor winning helps them, but I'm I'm just like, go lose to Kansas State again. Here, like, here's the, here's the thing, the the committee has shown year in and year out um, that they will move people around to get done what they need to get done, what whatever that agenda might be, and it changes from year to year. And case in point, all you need to do is is look at the fact that Baylor moved up five slots after beating a crappy Texas team, yeah. um, and to to basically position Baylor if they knock off Oklahoma, if Utah loses, if Alabama loses, they can drop Baylor into the playoff. Oh yeah, if um, it, there, there's like Baylor hasn't even sniffed. I mean, they were they were what thirteenth or. 18th after losing to, to Oklahoma a couple weeks ago. I can't remember how far they dropped down, but um, the fact that they jumped up five slots, everybody's react like, oh, this is an overreaction. They shouldn't have moved Baylor up this much. Like, Texas isn't that good. I, you're looking at the wrong thing, folks. This has nothing to do with who they beat. This is about who they might beat and what the, the, the playoff committee wants to be able to do in two weeks' time, not right now. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's just unbelievable. Unbelievable, uh, smorgasbord of food this weekend unbelievable smorgasbord of football i mean this is this is a great weekend i love thanksgiving and you know the the football is just a part of it um <clears throat> before we go just really quickly want to mention uh basketball um the Hoo-ah. men's the men's hey <laughs> hey hey now yeah. yeah so uh the men went down to fort myers and Put it on Bradley in a big, big way. Seventy-eight, fifty-one. I mean, this Bradley is doesn't. Just... Bradley does not suck. That's no. a half-decent team. So, like, this is just such a roller coaster of of a team. I mean, they lose to Merrimack and Radford, um, who are not good teams. They beat Providence. They beat Bradley. Um, yeah, and they, the, they beat Norfolk. Yeah, beat Norfolk, who are all all good teams. So this is. Just, just bizarre. Pat Spencer, um, you know, showing his athleticism. I mean, there's, there's a reason that, you know, you got 
the number one lacrosse player uh, now playing basketball. He's he's looking good. He's it's, he had it's a great so, game against uh, against Bradley. It's so bizarre that that of all the issues, this actually worked. This weird thing, this ludicrous thing, bringing a lacrosse player in, uh, especially when you fold it into football and all the you know the beach balls that we've deflated instead of hitting for home runs the it's that this hail mary quote unquote on in the basketball is actually working he's a great athlete and if his jump shot which again it like it could certainly go cold but if he shoots well he's really fast handles the ball well and is really confident and if he's shooting you've got to guard him and again like i can't undersell the athleticism part of it He's a fast ball handler for a team that doesn't have a second option for a fast ball handler. And, boy, you watch, you know, someone we've talked up and someone that, you know, two or three games ago, I mean, in the Providence game, had a great game. And then, you know, Scuzz was apoplectic that he kind of disappeared after that and that he wasn't being fed as Ryan Young. Fantastic rapport with Spencer in the Bradley game. Um, They were working the two-man game to beat the band. And I think... You know, when you've got that and, you know, Nance, who didn't even have a strong game, but cop shot well. And again, like we haven't like one thing we've not accused this team of of is being really bad on defense. There are multiple guys who can play solid defense. It was just that this team had no path to scoring points. Well, as real as weird as it is and as much of a flash in the pan as it is. Um, and again, this all may go out the window come all of the phenomenal athletes and teams in Big Ten season. But for one night anyway, Spencer was dealing, moving, and shooting well. And that made a lot of dominoes fall into place. So again, by the time this posts, um, you know, uh, I think it's what, is it Wednesday night we play Pitt? I think yeah, Wednesday in- night against Pitt. Um, you know, two former Duke players slash coaches going against each other for the first time. I, I just I just want to emphasize come like with that with that Pat Spencer talk I mean I think the upshot on the on on how this might go was predicated on those last two things you talked about John which was ball handling and and confidence more than anything like he he clearly has a veteran confident presence and right. like it's it's amazing when, what being one of the best people ever to play your sport <laughs> can do for your confidence yeah that that that's really really true and and especially like think about last year right we basically had Anthony Gaines or Vic Law playing the point last year because we had nobody else who could bring up the ball. And we were asking Vic to do so, so, so much. And we bemoaned all season long the loss of Jordan Latham, who was supposed to come in and be that ball handler. And, you know, Pat Spencer is is not – he doesn't have the athleticism of Jordan Latham, um, certainly, but, like, there's – there's a ton of talent on this team. We've talked about this ad nauseum with 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 the with the Chris Collins era and how you know it's been very Jekyll and Hyde. But bringing in good talent has never been a problem for him. We're seeing Pete Nance do some stuff. We're seeing Miller Cop hit some shots. We're seeing like Ryan Young kind of you know blossom before our eyes. And when like when you watch this team out on the floor, they've got a height and length that I don't think I've ever quite seen from Northwestern five or even backup five big. before it is. They are big when Nance and young are on the floor at the same time. You're right. I mean, I mean, John, I know you were really like not you during the Providence game. And when we recapped it, you know, your comment was like, wow, Providence missed so many layups. Like that is just not going to continue to happen. We saw Bradley miss a few, like the, the propensity that to miss that, that Providence showed certainly was a lot on Providence, but I think our guys make it hard for other teams inside. That that, that defensive I, component oh, is there, and, and this, then and I'll say too, like I think it like the defense I think was way better in the Bradley game than it was in the Providence game. Like they like that they showed out in this game. Yeah. Now there there are still going to be games where we go cold shooting. I mean that's always been a problem for Northwestern. We're just not a hot shooting team. Um, I, that's I, that's why I got so frustrated that we weren't leveraging Ryan Young um, against. Uh, Radford when when we were shooting terribly because like get the ball inside like like shot percentage is is not going to be a problem right like just stop bombing from three so if we can keep that going because he's he's decent and that just that just takes so much pressure off of 
Turner and Baron and Games and Nance and Cop. Like they don't they don't feel like they need to be the hero. They can play their game. They can they can make their contributions. Um, but when you've got a guy like Spencer that can exude confidence from the top of the key, and you've got a guy like Young that you you can feed the ball to down low, and my God, the way he goes up strong, like by the end of his career, Pardon was doing that as well. But I haven't seen a young center at Northwestern go up this strong with the ball since Eschmeyer. Like like think about Ola and how often Ola got the ball down low, went up with it, and ended up you know getting blocked or or you know, swatted away. I mean, you draw the foul, right? Of course. But, um, young, young is, is I'm, I'm in love with the guy at this stage. Like it's, it's spectacular. And, and, and when, then when you see guys like Jared Jones and boo Booey can be, you know, rotation, like let's let these guys learn They're freshmen. Let's give them, give them, give them a little bit of runway, but we don't have to play them 20 minutes a game. And that's just, it's, it's a luxury. We had, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys played twenty minutes or more. Well, I think Bowie was the eighth a, guy with fourteen. Like we haven't seen that in years. It's nice to have a guy who, even though he hasn't played scholarship basketball, is used to running all day on a much larger surface. Uh, <laughs> because Spencer is gonna. I mean, you can see it's we're really quickly. I mean, Bowie has had some real issues this season. And yeah, he, his and, turnovers. And thank God because he'd be pushed into a starting role. Either he'd be pushed into a starting role and it would be a disaster, or we'd do the exact same thing we did last season, which would Turner would be out there next to Gaines, and it would basically be a no guard offense, effectively. And um, and again, it's credit Spencer. Again, like you said, he's not going to keep hitting all the shots all the time. He's going to have off nights, but he's a true ball handling one. And it's so bizarre that this situation worked out that we got this player. But, yeah, it's – I mean, you look at this game and you're like, Nance, and, you know, he's going to have a lot. And that's the, the bugaboo with Nance is, you know, he, he's been really trick-or-treat because you see the potential every time he steps out. I mean, I think, you know, they were playing and I think it was like – it might have been Raftery or someone was kind of commenting being like, well, you know, he's actually a lot longer, you know, than he looks. And I'm like, what are you talking – he looks like Gumby. Every time I look at Pete Nance, I'm like, that dude is, I can just, I can already see Jay Billis talking about how long Pete Nance is. He's crazy. And, you know, Scuzz has talked about it before. It's long enough to affect shots. And you look at the potential and, and then the times when it doesn't come together. But, but I'll tell you, with the spark we finally saw from the offense in the football and then with this Bradley game, you take us where, you know, we were in a dark, dark place relative to looking at the conference slate. And again, I'm not putting the cart before the horse. It is still dark times right now. But you look at this starting five that started for this game with Turner and Barron coming off the bench. And if Spencer can can eat those minutes and be out there for the whole season, that's a seven-man unit that on the right night can knock off a Big Ten opponent. Like, And that's, again... We have no right to ask for anything more than that, but at least I'm feeling like now that's something we can vision on the horizon. And let, let's not forget about the ladies. Um, they play Wednesday night against Colgate, uh, and then after uh, swatting Valpo aside, like exactly sixty nine forty eight. I mean, it's just been you know they've been playing so well. Um, and then uh, on Sunday against DePaul, uh, Autism Awareness Day at Welsh Ryan Arena. So. Uh, head out to uh, to the stadium for that if you uh, if you want to see some amazing a, I mean, basketball. And it's a that's a big game. DePaul is a good team, and it, this is one this is one of those ones where again there aren't many sports still right now. I mean, because DePaul men's basketball has been down for so long, and Northwestern's has been up and down. But for the ladies right now, Northwestern DePaul is a big deal, um, and that's a big game for a lot of of non-conference bragging rights and uh and for the women in the season they're having a chance for another big feather in their cap well let's go ahead and uh, leave it there for this week um hope everyone has an amazing thanksgiving oh, wait, wait 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 what i for three seconds lamar jackson oh i just i like i just have to do it we, every year we record an nfl live a live nfl draft podcast we generally tune in like midway through the first round talk, especially about Broncos and Vikings picks, but then, you know, watch for a good 10 or 11 picks as, as, as the, as the draft goes along. And two years ago, 
from the moment we started recording, we were imploring every team to draft Lamar Jackson because we thought he was the best quarterback in the draft. We thought that he had the best potential to be great. And we were effing right. (laughs) Uh, At the same time, I'm so glad he didn't end up in Cleveland because they probably would have squandered him. And he like credit to the Baltimore coaching staff who have designed their entire scheme and game plan and offense around him um, and done it in a way to help him uh, to to let him shine. And uh, damn shine. He is. Yeah. I mean, just last night, he. I mean, I haven't had a chance to watch him that much this season, but oh my goodness, watching him last night, he's electrifying. Yeah, he 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 can he can destroy you from long. Um, but I think what was most impressive about last night, all five of his touchdown passes were like inside the red zone touchdown passes. That's when the defense compresses. That was like your windows get smaller. Like how many times have you seen an NFL NFL quarterback throw horrible fade passes and not score and then settle for a field goal? Like that's the bloody NFL like playbook and um and he he put five across against a decent defense and that's like the guy's amazing if you have a chance like if whether you're an NFL fan or not find time to watch Lamar Jackson on Sundays because he is incredible and this weekend they're playing the Niners who are playing amazing this year so this is this could be a great game on Sunday Baltimore San Francisco big time game uh, so with that, let's go ahead and leave it there for this week. Um, wish everyone a ha- very happy Thanksgiving. Uh, gentlemen, I uh, hope you have amazing Thanksgivings, wonderful food, wonderful football, family, uh, all, all the best uh, to everyone, uh, both you guys especially. Uh, so head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at westlawpirates. And you can always email the show, westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. And look for us in the West Lot of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Scasboy, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.